Welcome to the GameDev.TV Community Podcast. I'm your host KB, and I would like to introduce you to industry professionals and people who successfully made their path to the video game industry. I hope that you enjoy the podcast and get useful tips that will bring you closer to achieving your dreams. Now, let's get right into the podcast. Cool. So my name is Jenna Miller. I'm a game designer and creative director in the game industry. I've been in the game industry 17 years. I got my start with Garage Games in Eugene, Oregon, mm-hmm. and started working for like Playdom in um, California, doing Facebook games and and stuff like that. And then from Facebook, I went on to mobile and mm-hmm. specifically mobile social free to play, taking what I learned on Facebook to that platform. And I've been in mobile ever since, um, working social mobile free to play from casual to hardcore in in genres, from um, skill based to you know luck based in in um, you know game mechanics. And um, right now, I'm working for a company called Superforest, and. We're a startup that is a climate change platform aiming to help plant more trees and to affect yeah. positive climate action through the mobile platform. So that's pretty exciting. We're just getting started and looking to introduce game mechanics into the experience there. So awesome i love it well yeah happy to have you on let's dive right into when did you get started with game development were you always into games when you were younger and you were like i want to do this forever was it later in life um no i i've i've always enjoyed games i've i've always been drawn to computers i've always been apt with computers i had a career in technology before i entered games I worked for Microsoft, Sun, um, software as a service, things like that, and it was it was fun. Um, I I had aptitude for it. Mm. Um, I, I I loved the responsiveness and interactivity of the computers and the computer systems I I was I was using, and I learned some coding, really just scripting, but yeah. Um, and but there is but there was something missing. Um, I I I enjoyed all of the aspects of of computer and and IT work, um, but there was still there was still something missing. And mm-hmm. um, I was exploring, you know, what to do with my life in my early twenties, as mm-hmm. as a, a lot of people. Yeah. People are, yeah. Tough time. And was you know was was doing that that soul searching and um, went to college, changed you know my major a few times, um, you know tried my own computer services company, um, got into investments uh, a, a bit for a minute, um, and you know as I was sitting there one day playing Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Three, oh yes, <laughs> um, trying to trying to get um, uh, a, a new high score on on a run, um, and and by the way, I, I loved replaying the same level over and over to try to find new like emergent spots, yeah. to trick combos uh, okay. like 
uh, like just, you mastered oh, that level. <laughs> yeah, the, the, applying your creativity to um, level design as as a player in like real time deconstruction of action options and and possibilities is just a fascinating exercise. I I, I love that um, that model of of game mechanic. But anyway, I was I was sitting there playing Tony Hawk Pro Skater three, um, and I'm like. What should I do with my life as mm -hmm. I'm obsessively playing, trying to... Oh, so you made this decision while playing the game? Yeah, and then I was, oh, and then I was like, I was like, oh, snap. Um, I've got all I've got all this this computer background, IT, whatever. I love games. I'm this super creative person that self-identifies as an artist. And so, like, how am I not making games? How is how has that not been a thing? Well, I mean, mm -hmm. in your early twenties, you haven't lived the long life yet, um, exactly. or so. at all, or whatever. And so, mm -hmm. it's you know, you're still exploring things. So yeah. So then, I I I looked into um, programming and you know writing game code myself, and that is was was beyond me like i was doing web application language scripting um i, I learned some c plus um i i get the the model of of object-oriented programming yeah. you know Makes the sense, paradigm. but doing it that's how i but feel actually <laughs> sitting down and doing it oh my god no. my respect for engineers um yeah. so so i was like okay um so if I'm not if I'm not gonna raw code it myself, um, you know what are what are what are options you know for for making games from there, um, and so almost naturally I I found and and looked at game engines and the one of the the more well used adopted game engines at the time was the Garage Games game engine, mm -hmm. and which was hundred bucks and you got the source code for it the selling bullet point was why make a mod when you can make a game yeah like Makes sense get the source code make change things up you know completely and go out to, to xbox and sell it you know xbox mm -hmm. live arcade whatever um so i found i found garage games um and they're in Eugene, Oregon, um, and that's actually where I am right now. And it's, be Isn't it's because interesting of to that. Full circle? Yeah, absolutely. It's wow. because of that 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 first employer connection um, from like 15 years ago. So so I, I picked up their game engine and started you know messing around with it as it were, um, but immediately needed to do custom stuff for a tank game, a flying tank game that I envisioned. Um, and so I, I partnered up with an awesome engineer in the UK, Gary Preston, and um, he was he, it was he was the main guy that um, that that made that first tank game um, that we worked on for a couple of years. Um, I also partnered with an artist in France named Christophe Cannon, and he was. A, he is a phenomenal artist, and um, the art requirements were less demanding, so it wasn't, uh, you know, as long of a partnership. Engineers, you know, um, that that's that's something that's almost never ending. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we we made that that first game, um, and that sort of caught the attention of of people at Garage Games, even though it was um, indie made and low budget, and you know all of that. It was completed. It was a real game. It was it wasn't half baked. Um, it was you know amongst that one percent or less that like actually finishes and actually launches and doesn't just mm-hmm. like talk about it on a chat board. Hey guys, we should make a game about this yeah. thing. Whatever you know. Never comes true. Yeah, exactly. a lot of people. Yep. Yeah, and so I was I was told that um, although the game was you know, okay, it was fine, whatever. It wasn't the quality of the game that um, that that got their attention. It was that it was at, a mar- you know, a market level of, a certain, you know, market level of quality, but that it was it was done at all. That it was, mm-hmm. that it had reached um, c- completion and that it was um, effectively, you know, produced and shipped um, and with their engine. Um, and having been in their engines community during the course of development, um, that is where I found the artist and engineer that I, that I quoted or that, you know, that I just stated. Um, so it was, it was easy to find artists and engineers and, and people to help because we were all like sharing the same open code base. You know, mm-hmm. we all paid the $99 and, and we're like, um, you know, for like, for example, one of, the more important bits of code um, in that first game was networked real-time terrain deformation based on explosions. Well, a Garage Games employee named Steven Zepp had contributed that bit of code, I believe, before he was even an employee. And so by, by leveraging that community, I was able to, you know, not have to engineer and QA that 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 bit myself because it was made um, it was made as a community resource and of course that's what we see now with unity in the community store that mm-hmm. you know sort of formalizes it and and has that um, that that developer you know pipeline and and monetized um, and and so that's great um, but it was that it was making that that first game and and having that that vision and that drive and that the the execution to completion and then actually releasing it and um, worldwide it got about sixty thousand downloads. That's um, awesome. So for a first know, game, yeah. For a freeware first game made for mm-hmm. ten fifteen thousand dollars, yeah, I was I was happy. Wow. Um, that's incredible because you got to be afraid to take that leap of faith to make your first game and it's for it to actually be good and you're like, hmm, maybe I, I should do this full time. Yeah, no, absolutely, and and. And actually, if I'm if I'm and, and I and I won't go long on this one, but if I'm if I'm really being honest, my first game was a ballet themed game featuring a zombie ballerina, and um, what's it called? Uh, there there wasn't there wasn't an uh-huh. I, I didn't finish it. I just I just started it. I put mm-hmm. maybe five thousand into um some some animation rig uh research and some some choreography research and then some some 3d models to start to try to rig stuff and get it in in engine and performing um you know ballet moves like in in game like as quick as possible um but what i what i realized like five thousand into that project was that it was a hundred thousand dollar or more 
project and I made the mistake of sort of like trying to make my my grand vision, my my you know my game. my my Citizen yeah. Kane, my whatever, my masterpiece, as like my my first game. And some really good advice I got was that you're never gonna make a a good first game, you know. Mm -hmm. So don't make your first game be like the game that you've been wanting to make for five years or something. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's gonna <laughs> suck, or it's gonna some degree of suck. Um. So you know. So so make something that that can fail a little bit you know mm -hmm. and so i made a more generic tank game i'm like okay let's put the ballet game away for a while um and and let's make this tank game and that was it was just much more um doable of of a of an execution bounds yeah. um but as as an amateur you know first timer um i i also didn't realize how difficult 3d is um oh, no, it's I, so hard <laughs> uh, and and in comparison to 2D, you know, it, it it exponentiates development time because of it exponentiates the the bugs that can happen. Mm -hmm. um, camera. So yeah, so I wouldn't yeah. recommend three, you know, making a 3D game for for someone um, as as their first time project. But um, but for my career, when I've talked to people about like how I got my start or or how I recommend they get their start. Um, it's always been with the advice of go out there and make your own game and, mm -hmm. you know, like, um, get your knives out and, and defend, you know, the making that game and, and, yeah. and the completion of it, you know, like it's, you know, like do whatever it takes, like knives out until that, that game is mm -hmm. complete. Um, but make it small enough and, and, you know, with technology, you know, uh, you know, complexity bounded enough that you can actually finish it so that you can give mm -hmm. it to um, an employer, a prospective employer, um, as a work sample that isn't a student project, that isn't a mod. And you can lead with that and say, hey, this is a game that I produced or that I designed or that I produced and designed or, or whatever. And even if it's small, if it's if it's done well, that's going to get, you know, my attention as an employer um, far more than, um, you know, you know, a, a degree, at, you know, Wharton yeah. School of Design and a mm -hmm. recommendation from Art Institute professor and, you know, this and that student project that was nominated for this and that student award. I mean, um, that's all great, but what can you actually do? you know to help our project. that's all that really matters in the day showing the skills you can actually do this that way when you hire someone you're like i know they can make a game instead exactly. of like i think they can i mean it says they could but i haven't seen anything so you don't know that's right yeah like if you're a chef show me that you can cook you know like yeah i'm not skeptical i just want to eat your yummy food if you're yeah, saying it's yummy you know exactly because um, cooking isn't easy so you gotta prove it and it's not just about like you can know stuff but the skill of doing it you know, it's like being book smart compared to like street smart. It's like you gotta have that touch of like, what do I need to know for these moments? Because these might be different from what the book says. So yeah. Exactly. Yep. So so yeah, that's that's how I got my start. Um, and I'm always excited to recommend to people to just go out there and make a game. And with things like the Unity 
asset store that that makes you know not just individual assets but entire functions and, and almost like game mechanics you oh, know I everything on there now exactly yeah starter kits and and the whole thing like you purchase it you download it and there's there's almost no excuse to not you know go out mm-hmm. and make a game if that's if that's what you're trying to do and if and if the excuse is well but i need a team i need i need money i you know i don't have the the coding expertise i don't make very good art well i didn't have any of that stuff either you know like i'm yeah. broke ass i was living in my car <laughs> you know i mean for real. True. One we, of the, we start one at of the, the bottom yeah yeah exactly when i before i started work at garage games i was living in i was living in my car for like eight months trying to make wow. my my indie game in and trying to reduce my costs you know down to as Dang. you know down to Minimal even rent possible. yeah so that that money could go to you know my artist and programmer and and the mm-hmm. few other people that you know that had helped to to try to increase the production quality and the viability of the game so i was going sort of all in on the game um yeah. How do you like survive that? How do you get your mental like brain to be like, hey, I'm going to do this, and no matter what happens, I'm gonna be okay with it. Like, how did you get yourself through the dark times when you're like in your van and you're just like, this is it. Either that just works out or it doesn't. Like, how yeah. Do you- so, um, yeah. I mean, honestly, it wasn't it wasn't dark times. I would I would say dark times is when you're sitting in an office yeah. working for an employer and ah, okay. it's soullessly sucking your 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 talents and potential away one one day at a time that you that that you allow that to happen you know um but but i but i hear what you're saying it wasn't easy you know it wasn't comfortable and it wasn't it wasn't like class tourism i mean i was i i i was broke you know and and the money that i had was going going into the game and for a sustained period of time um so so even even like with that when i say i was broke like i didn't have money to go to a coffee shop to get their wi-fi so that was that was total drive-by wi-fi style you know i would just drive in a neighborhood slowly going three miles an hour six miles an hour with my laptop plugged into the you know cigarette inverter charger or whatever mm-hmm. and i would just cruise looking for open hot spots and when i'd finally find one sometimes it would take an hour um then that's when i'd get you know my my update from from my programmer and download the the new build you know and oh my gosh I'd park and play and play the play the play the new build and then um and then try to upload um, you know, screenshots of, of feedback while I still have the, the connection, you know. You did it all. You went above and beyond. I mean, and but, it, and, 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 and I want to emphasize that that was, that was to get that first job, to get that first yeah, job. Exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. Exactly, yep. Um, but, but that's, I feel like, and I'm not, and I don't want to make that sound romantic or anything, but, but that is how hard you have to compete because there's more, interest in working in the industry then there's positions in the industry and so you always you always have to sacrifice something there's no free lunch you know and so i was like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna make games no matter what mm-hmm. and 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 that That's became it. my my number one thing so and and the reason i i say it wasn't dark times is because i was making games mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so you were doing what you love there's nothing better yeah i mean yeah. it was it was it was hard it was a it was a grit moment you know for sure um so why do you think uh, most I, people don't 
make is because they don't take that leap of faith because you were like, I love this. This is what I'm going to do. And then they went, you went all in. Some people like say they love it, but they don't go all in. They still want to do everything else. They don't want to sacrifice maybe going out for a little bit or sacrifice, you know, that other project. It's like, hey, no, I want to do this. You think that's why people don't really make it? They don't go all in? They kind of just dabble? Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think it's, it's because it, it takes self-discipline that, you know, everybody says they want to be a game designer or work in the game industry. But when you tell them the bit by bit of what it takes to, to get there, um, then they say, huh, that, you know, that's interesting. And then they turn around and they don't do that. Yeah. And so, so, you know, like, like, wait a minute, never mind. It's too much work. Yeah, exactly. Like, life is work. So it's like, find something that you enjoy. And just do that. That's right. Yeah. And so, so like during that term, when I was building that game, mm-hmm. you know, living in my car, um, it, 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 it was a byproduct of, of self-discipline in order to allocate those funds towards, you know, programmer hours and, yeah. and art assets to improve the chances of um, getting published with, yeah. for example, Xbox Live Arcade, you know. Mm-hmm. And the the game was a failure in terms of getting published. It was only published by uh, a free-to-play MMO aggregator in Asia. Just it, it was it was nothing. Um, where I was really what I was really gunning for was was Xbox Live Arcade, and there were other garage games and you know torque game engines games that that were hitting Xbox Live Arcade. Um, but I, I just didn't have the feedback from, from Microsoft was it it was, it was still just a little too sparse, you know, like the, the levels were a little too empty still, the features were still a little light, just, just, just the whole game. It was still just a little too in demo land, you know, Mm -hmm. and not like this is a full fledged product that requires yeah. no further funding or development and is like ready or almost ready uh to be turnkey published on xbla um so it, you know it, it wasn't it wasn't far off but it definitely wasn't a, a hit or a home run or like you know bang on um and it missed in several other categories um in, including in my opinion gameplay it was just too complex and novel which are mm-hmm. beginner designer mistakes yeah um but it activated that first opportunity for me to come on board at Garage Games as a producer. And so it was successful in that sense. Um, and then also just in the sense of being freeware that got out there. Um, so how so did yeah, it lead to the Garage Games? Did someone stuff. see the game and it was like, hey, I, wanna, I want you to come work at Garage Games? Or how did that work? How did yeah, it no, it was, it was one of the, the co-founders of Garage Games, Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Tunnell, who's of you know game industry fame um, for Tribes, The Incredible Machine, mm-hmm. Willie Beamish, yeah. um, Dynamics, you know, on and on. So he's a very talented games craftsman and serial entrepreneur. Um, and and he saw my my hustle and the 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 non bullshit aspect of my output. Um, and was like, you should come work for us. You should come work with us. And um, after I finished my game so that I could be sure that I wasn't going to be the next, um, you know, hot game, indie game studio on my own, 
um, as soon as I finished my game, I took him up on that offer and then um, produced games for two years at Garage Games, helping out small and medium indie developers, uh, giving them publishing offers, publishing money, um, publishing, you know, contracts, um, just working with them, like really hands-on, one-on-one to create uh, plussed up versions of their already released games so that we could release the plussed up version on our own exclusive platform that we were building at the time, which was Instant Action, which was a, a web platform. So you needed a, a plugin um, to play and download it. And it was one of the paradigms that did not survive and thrive uh, oh, yeah, as we yeah. moved from the 2000s to, you know, 2000s. Years though, all those games you used to play on the PC, like they had the there was one that I just remember vividly. It was like you, I think, like went into the White House and then like defended the president or something, and it was very gory. And I was just like, What is this? <laughs> huh. oh, yeah, something like that. I remember just like these, yeah, I don't know, know that computer, one. Uh, what else was another one? I don't know, it's been a long time, but yeah, that was a fun one. I see if I could find it actually. That's really weird. And then they had just all those other like Cartoon Network games that like just vanished. But they were always there. I was like, who's making these games? But yeah, that's yeah, cool. the Flash era. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good times. Good times. So how did it feel going from like making your own game to then being hired as a producer and then producing other games? Like, were you nervous at first? Was it daunting? Or you were like, oh, this is pretty easy. This is what I've always wanted. No, yeah, it was. It was an easy switch from doing what I was doing for my own indie studio in my own indie game to doing the same thing for other indie studios and and other indie games and um you learn by doing so it was it was a great opportunity to just get my hands in a a lot of different games and a lot of different genres i i was frustrated after the first year because I was only producing other people's games and giving design recommendations and and feature suggestions. I wasn't designing a game on my own, you know, which is what Mm. I was doing with my own indie game studio. Um, And I was told in no uncertain terms that I was hired to produce games, not hired to design games, that I would have to earn the right to speak at the designer table that that wasn't something wow. that could just be you know okay. that you know but 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 said in terms of the game industry right mm-hmm. which is true nobody is going to throw a game design position at you and beg you to design a, a game for them like um you have to earn that like what what happens more often is is the opposite which is discussions like, hmm, do we do we need a game designer on this team? We've got a we've got a pretty strong producer. We've got a great PM. We've got great art and tech leads. Like I don't know, I'm I'm feeling pretty good about this. It's yeah. we're mostly cloning this other this other product. We're just adding our own twist with you know crypto or or fifty person whatever. You know, yeah. like, do, do we really need a designer? Ah, I don't know. Let's let's skip the designer on this point. They can they can cause you know cause more complexity than they solve answers. You know, let's mm-hmm. so um, so especially in like social mobile free to play, we're we're always fighting for 
um, relevance, you know, um, because we're not strictly speaking product, you know, we're, um, we're, we're gameplay, we're fun, we're, we're amusement. So, um, so yeah, so that, that, that first job, I sort of got, you know, greedy or impatient mm. in wanting to, to like really quickly go from producing to, to designing. And I didn't, I didn't understand, um, that that's, that there's like a, a career path there, you know, like you start, you start in QA or you start as an associate producer or whatever, and then you work your way up into the, mm -hmm. you know, the discipline you want and are eventually a, a senior designer or a senior PM or the art director or whatever. Um, uh, and, and, but so, but so nonetheless, I had enough design opportunities within the producer job, um, to, to, you know, to satisfy me, um, especially once it was, you know, put into perspective as to what I should expect. Um, the, the very next job that, that I took, which I moved to South Africa to take, um, was a full game design position and it was the only design position in that studio so I was I was designing every game that that they had um which was a really interesting experience because in South Africa and at the time Java uh, handset phones were so prevalent mm. that making a mobile game at, at that time meant um uh adjusting it for like in the ballpark of maybe 60 to 90 different handsets. So different screen resolutions, different button layouts, different processor speeds and memory. And, you know, so you, you have to make all these different versions of the game, um, which is, you know, totally different than today. Um, but it was, it was great to have the variety of experience in that first design role of like, designing a, a console game that, you know, that never went into development, but still designing it, um, and then designing a web game, and then designing these these pixel mobile phone games on Java phones, and um, having that be my first game industry game design job and experience was great in terms of establishing immediate, like, breadth and range in, in, in what I'm able to design and to think about designing towards mm -hmm. and so, so all of that how did the, the, exactly so how did all of that lead to now doing game design for other studios and stuff because like what is game design at a triple a studio compared to like making your own game because most people are probably confused like oh what does a game designer really do do they design the game do they write the stories do they do the code because some of the descriptions of the you know job title say like hey game designer you need to know a lot of this it's like so what am i doing exactly how much of it art do i need to know how much of coding do i need to know so like how how did you go from starting out your first game design to being like I can now do game design for all these other companies? Yeah, so it's um it's 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 a path. I mean, you just you, you just take one step at a, at a time. Mm -hmm. Um I I never I never set out to to have a job in the game industry. I didn't want a job in the game industry. Um I never went to a game design program. You know, or, you know, I don't have a degree at Art Institute or something like that. Um, uh, and so I, I literally just decided that I was going to make games. And then I, I focused on making 
my game as the first step and I let nothing stop me, in, including money. You know, I was doing like tech support, fixing people's computers in their houses to, to earn the money that paid for my game. Um, so I let, I let nothing stop me from, from making that game. Like if it was good, if it was bad, if it wanted to be, you know, if people wanted to publish it or not, whatever the result, it didn't matter. I was gonna, I was gonna make that game. But the reason that I was going to make that game is because I love games and making good games and, and, and making fun and, and giving the gift of fun to other people. Like seeing that joy light up in their eyes, light up in their, you know, their spirits and their body language when, when something is awesome and they get something, whether it's on a D-pad controller or mobile or if they're couch watching someone else play, you know, and, and, and that's, that's magic and it's magic that I, I dedicate my life to and it, and it has, it's, it goes so far beyond, you know, career arc or income or school or, or anything like that. It's just like, it's, it's one of the core things that I believe in, in doing and, and making, you know, worthwhile while I'm here. And mm -hmm. so um, with that conviction, I, I let nothing stop me from making my first game. And if my first game was, was worse than it was, then all that would have happened is it would have taken me two or three games to get the job opportunity that I got after making just one game, you mm. know? Yeah. But that but that one game cost, you know, ten, fifteen thousand dollars and took a year and a half, two years with uh, effectively a team of three, like a designer, an engineer, and an artist. Um, and nobody's volunteer time. Like I was paying the artist and engineer for every hour of work, but granted at a much reduced rate because like it's it's a project that everyone believes in. Um so 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 getting getting your your foot in the door um uh is 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 in my opinion the most important part for me i got that foot in the door with um that producer job at garage games and then from there just whoosh, everything took mm. off um and and i couldn't beat the opportunities back especially once the the facebook generation of players mm. you know came on the scene farmville and mafia wars exactly um and of course zynga is, is still one of the you know all roads lead back to zynga you know mm -hmm. companies um in in the best way um so 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 yeah if 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 people want to um work on on big ip um you know farmville star wars um you know name brands celebrities whatever um it's i i i'd say that that the the conviction aspect is going to be the most important part because that's going to bring the the grit required for you to keep taking the steps forward even when there isn't wind at your you know in your sail you know guide you know helping you to to push through the the sheer competition and the talent of that competition and and the you know the 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 youth of of that of that competition yeah. i'm a 40 year old woman and when i see these 22 year old graduates you know come out with with they're so talented oh it's just it's um, you, you, you do worry about not, not so much like what year am I going to become obsolete, 
but like what what decade what generation you know mm -hmm. like um and and it's 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 not even close for me but but i know that the time might come you know so so regardless there's there's just white hot competition to 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 get in and so you 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 need that 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 conviction or that grit to to get you through um that competition and and you have to go so far above and beyond what other people are doing to compete for that same job position um that that you you, you haven't even thought of what those things are yet like as an individual you know um and and i have and the reason that I have, like, like absolutely one of the reasons that I've been successful in my career is because when I when I started at Garage Games, I was I was tutored by people who had been in the game industry longer than I had, um, who who let me know what was up and gave me a lay of the land as far as exactly how competitive it is to get into those positions. And so that immediately brought clarity to me in terms of how competitive I would have to be to get into those positions. Um, so one one quick example, um, and actually I have it right here. Um, oh, perfect. So when I, when I interviewed at EA for the creative director position on Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes, I had about two weeks notice um, that I would be interviewing there. And so I spent one week deep diving into the entire line of Star Wars films, taking, pausing and, and taking notes anytime I saw something in the, the film that could relate to something um, in the game that they had not explored yet as far as my exploration of their yeah. game as far had gone okay. um, or just something that was, um, you know, an, an opportunity. Um, and then I also just took screenshots of their game, Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes, um, and gave retention and monetization, you know, suggestions for, for techniques that I knew would garner improvement not just like oh maybe this maybe that like no these are tried and true techniques from other you know games as a service products that i've worked on that would increase you know retention and monetization performance for for these different things and i i made a, a notebook um no way or i, 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 I bought a notebook and it's, yeah. it's got on the cover black and white um yeah. star wars galaxy of heroes and and on the back i've got R2 and C3PO playing, playing a, a, a stand-up arcade game. Um, but but I mean that's just for me. But but so it's I don't know, it's it's this thing. Yeah, that's just all notes. Did you really use all the pages? And, yeah, and so all all of the um, pages are they're they're printouts of of screens from their game. You know, like hey, you're out of currency, like do this UI thing or whatever. Um, and then I'm 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 drawing things on them, um, or I'm or I'm taking things, um, you know, from from different images and yeah. uh, different movies and things. So like, um, for example, this is a, a picture of the different lightsaber hilts. Yeah. And and because um, in in games in general, collection mechanics are strong. You know, mm. collect all the Sith characters, collect all the, yeah. you know, Rebel characters, whatever. Um, 
So, for example, one of the collections could be collect all the lightsaber hilts. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's I would just, love to. Yeah, it's just another you know level eighty five you know thing to do. Um, but yeah, no. So I mean, it it it, it goes. It, it's pretty it's pretty extensive um, as as far as showing um, like potential um, you know gameplay mechanics and there's like combat puzzles in here and character backstory so um so when i when i brought that notebook to the interview like physically when they got to the question of so what are some things that you think we could change of the game design for our game i was able to you know then pull out this notebook and say well (laughs) i've got a few ideas oh my goodness What'd they you know, say when you showed them the notebook? They were like, you're hired. <laughs> I mean, it's... Yeah, I mean, the, the tree can be recognized by the fruits, you know, e fructus mm-hmm. arbor. So when you, when you show that you can design in the design interview, either by bringing design for their game mm-hmm. or, you know, bringing a game that, that you've yourself designed, um, it, it shows that not only that you're a designer, but that you recognize that they have a, a design gap on their team and that they need that design expertise and you're showing up with that design expertise, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and, and I had um, concepts of in, in every category in here. There's things from, you know, there's art, there's art concepts, sound effect concepts, tons of monetization concepts, um, new gameplay twists and changes on gameplay that um you know for gameplay they already have things like that and so what i'm saying by that is it it showed in the interview the 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 range of of cognitive flexibility that i could you know put on the project based on something that i'm that i'm bringing in you know so if if the game is suffering just on monetization i could focus on that if the game really wants to you know pick up new users because of a new movie coming out you know i can focus on that if we're really going to go back and um you know add even more story and more story scenes and cutscenes, um you know and not just have them be special events then how can we put those in a meta story system that you know builds a new retention and, and engagement layer for those those maxed um level players so um so, so yeah, and and I wouldn't I wouldn't have dreamed about not spending forty hours to prepare for that job interview and coming in with you know a hundred pages of you know printed out, photocopied, you know pasted together um, specific actionable design ideas. You know, like um, without that, you're you're coming into an interview just sort of like on your own you know, reputation and, and ability to have, you know, executive presence or whatever, except yeah. game designers aren't executives. We're we're game designers. So we're artists, we're weirdos, we're mad scientists. Exactly. You know? We're experimenters. We're just trying to make something of our own and have people build it. And so it's like, yeah, sure, you can come in and be like, oh, we're the leader. But it's like, no, we're just a visionary. You guys are the team who's going to build it all. That's so, right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, but yeah, it 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 takes a lot. Um, in in the past, when I was at like a little bit more of a midpoint in my career, um, um I paid uh graphic 
designer $500 to do a pass on my resume. Um, changing none of the, the wording, but just making it look freaking awesome. Like and when I say out. awesome, I mean fun. You know, like there yeah. were video game graphics on it. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, another boring resume. Because as a game designer, I'm always thinking about user experience, but I'm thinking about user experience beyond just games. And so when you think about user experience applied to the job seeking process, you know how boring it must be to be at a company getting oh, no. resume after resume that all look I couldn't the same, imagine that. Yeah. That all say the same thing, that all have basically the same qualifications and, you know, like similar number of years and the smallest of nuanced variances between them. And it's like, okay, I get the text reading thing, you know, make it simple so that text readers can scan the keywords or, or whatever, but entertain me. Like, yeah. like if you're a designer and you're creating that spark of fun, like show me on your resume, something, some spark of fun, some hint of, something delicious and um it shows you care too it's like you took the time to make your resume unique it's, it's the same with your journal you took the time to show that you cared and you'll put in the work like i don't think most people think they have to prepare that much for an interview nope. yeah but you do you you have to especially in the video game industry because it's very competitive like you were saying earlier e exactly so, yeah. and where'd you get the idea to journal was it just like hey I have this uh, interview coming up let me just prepare was it just already just who you are yeah, no, that's 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 who I am, and um, I always, I I I always try to bring my work, my thinking, like um, my my proof in like mathematical terms, to the to to the interview, so that I'm not coming to the interview as a hungry mouth, you know, hey, I need a job, feed me, you know, instead. I'm coming to the interview as as a potential partner with solutions that I've already thought about before I've even come to the table that already perfectly interlock with things that they've thought about because they've been working on this problem for a long time too. And, and let's not patronize that, of course, you know. Mm -hmm. And then the discussion almost naturally becomes them and you talking about how to solve the problem together, like how to crack skill-based games on match threes, you know, or whatever. Um, and now you're, t you're, you're working together in the interview, you're working together, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the onboarding to getting hired to actually working together, you know? Um, and, and that's what I, that's what I try to do. And if, and if you come in and they're like, Hey, did you play our games before the interview? You're like, yeah, I played to like level five. And they're like, oh, no, what did cool. you think of it? Oh, it's cool. You know, yeah, I thought you could add this, you know, the piggy bank feature or, you know, whatever is the, yeah, you know, like, you trending care. PM feature that everyone just drag drops into their game. Um, and yeah, and there's just nothing. You haven't gone the extra mile. And apparently you think it's not needed. It's not necessary, you know, like for someone <laughs> that does that. Um, and yeah, it's super competitive. And and honestly, even when I bring all this like extra mojo to the table, I'm still like in a, a small pool of of candidates, you know, that even mm -hmm. like maybe if I get the job even afterwards, there might be like a hint of like, oh, man, and like the other three people that um, were candidates like, God, they were really good, too. Like mm -hmm. they were, you were also, you know, you were also good. Um so yeah, the competition is just 
you, you can never sit still in, in the game industry. You you know there is no there is no such thing as as learning how to do game design at a school and then coming into the right. game industry and doing game design. No, that's not how it works. You're learn game design is changing and evolving as a live animal, like the like the stock market is this live thing or whatever. It's, yeah, you know, and you have to you have to learn and change with it all the time. If you even take one year off of the game industry, oh yeah, you're gonna miss so much. You know of the crosstalk that you would have gotten at a game studio that would have sort of leveled you up, you know, unconsciously, subconsciously with yeah. threads that you then go and follow and learn more about. And like, yeah, all that stuff is so important. Like company culture, water cooler talk, all of that. You know, one of the things I've noticed is that most people aren't game developers around me. When I was growing up in Florida, right? Nobody ever talked about game developers. Now getting into games, I was like, oh, I'm going to do games. People were like, you could do that? Cool. Met no one that does games. And everybody has this mentality which is like, once you go to school, that's it. You've done learning. There's nothing else to learn. And I've learned with learning game dev. I was like, learning's a never-ending process. But the only hard part about that I've noticed is that like people just don't get when they say, like, so when are you done? And I'm like, I'm never done. I'm always going to be learning, always going to be pushing myself, always going to be doing these things until one day I make it. And they're like, oh, well, that seems like a lot of work. I'm like, yeah, but I mean, to me, it's worth it. But that's like life. I think life nowadays is like you have to go out there and constantly learn, whether it's because the nine-to-five job is slowly dying. There's no safety anymore. So it's like, I don't know, to be really valuable in this world nowadays, you got to be creative. So yeah, learn new stuff, push yourself, and it's just it's just weird though. I've noticed. I'm like, yeah, people just normal. My brain growing up, I've been told, just learn and then you're set for life. You never have to learn again. Most people don't pick up books after they graduate. Most people, people nowadays are doing it more and more. But that's kind of how it was for a while. I was like, weird. It's just weird that way. I don't know. And I think this is better. I think game developers are actually the people who should be in charge of the world because they think about how to make it fun. Could you imagine if everything was done to be more fun? Oh, that don't even get me started. I can go down this rabbit hole just like how, <laughs> but yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, no, let's, yeah, exactly. Let's, let's gamify the world. Exactly. Which is, I guess social media does that in a way, but in a good way, like let's do everything and make it fun right. and not like trying to, you know, microtransactions, but you know, oh well, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear that. Now for a game designer, like what was your day to day like at the jobs you were doing? Let's say, let's do like Zanga. So you were, you become lead. But then is that kind of, you just lead it like all the different game designers? Yeah, no. So, um, so, so as, as lead at Zynga specifically, it wasn't so much the designers that I was leading. They weren't, they weren't um, like reporting to me. Um, It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a design team that way. Um, so at, at Zynga, as lead designer, I was, I like, my ass was on the line for the design, you know? like Yeah, it came like, to you. Yeah, it came to me, exactly. Like, if the, if the design sucked, I was fired, you know? Like, in a in a good way. I'm not saying anyone threatened that, you know? Yeah. I'm just saying it was, it was, it, it came down to, to, to me, yeah. So, so, and with, with design, of course, it's, it's always a team. It's never one person in an ivory tower designing a game who throws the gdd you know mm-hmm. off the yeah. tower and then and then the serfdom build it you know it's it's not like that at all um so so there's 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 not a, a singular designer um but yeah i mean you know we there was a, a 
a VP that was that was leading the the overall product design and you know PL and and business of it. But you know, thank God he had just excellent design sense and intuition and uh, industry uh, uh, product um, comparison like he just he just had the map and so so he knew very close to 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 what he was looking for there was uh, okay. there was a paradigm from other established games that he was looking to 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 copy to reduce risk and the way that these paradigms were being applied was was in a novel was in a novel way um and then and he wasn't sure about you know how some of the paradigms would fit and he didn't he, he wasn't sure about the the details and so so there was there was one specific meeting in san francisco in a room with a whiteboard um where it was him myself our executive producer and then a, a game designer another game designer systems designer and and i th and i think maybe our art director and and we sat down and we designed farmville to country escape in about an hour um as as far as the the core game loop the expanded game loop um all of the the player actions the overall economy and the basic you know, moving pieces and and what the player would be doing um, for for their for their life cycle, beginning, middle, and end player life cycles, um, and um, and yeah, and so so sometimes design happens, um, you know, like like right here, right now, mm -hmm. in in this room, and we had. Um, we 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 made that game in just a few months so the the time frame was extremely compressed um and i do extreme sports i do downhill high speed longboarding and also urban horseback riding and um one of the things i love about extreme sports is mm -hmm. it it puts you in the moment like you yes. have to be there or you're gonna, you're gonna, um, you're gonna crash. Exactly. And so, <laughs> right. And so, so sometimes with with game design, um, it it happens where you it, you know you sort of realize that wow, game design is happening right here, right now, right this second, like mm -hmm. in this room or on this video conferencing call or within the next few days or like this week or whatever. And then you know the next week, the next day, the next whatever engineers need the design document and need to start building the thing, you know? Um, so, you know, what you do as a designer can vary so much because organizations take on the personality of their leadership. And as a designer, you're not that leadership. At best, you're design leadership, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. um, and, and, and if you're an elder designer, you should be design leadership. By, by default whether it's part of your title or not you know um but but you're not leadership like you know leadership leadership the the gm the ep you know the vp um and and so you know the founder or co-founders or whatever so so those people really determine 
um, the culture of, of the studio and, and, and the culture of, you know, how you're, how you're going to be designing things on a, on a day-to-day basis. Um, and so how you design things changes enormously, um, not just based on the platform and product, but specifically based on the, the, the leader whose organization you're working within. Um, Okay. And sometimes it can be hectic. Sometimes it can be really fast. Sometimes it's um, sometimes w- what I so so getting back getting back to Zynga. So so just designing that that first iteration of um, Farmville and um, plugging in which mechanics you know which constraints you know an economy of of what um, of of what type consumables versus durables and and so forth. Um, th- that was like the first uh, job of, of design. And design is always really intense in the beginning. It feels like you should have, you know, uh, 50 designers instead of 50 engineers. Because the, if, you ha- if you have a full team of engineers already hired, you know, they're all, they're all asking for the design. They're all waiting for the design. They're, they're trying to do as much as they can without the design. Which it's is really say, hard. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's it's you know they they might as well be putting computing time towards um, SETI or something, you know, <laughs> because it's like you don't even know what the camera controls and character are yet. You know, you're like, ah, uh, I can give you the the game is gonna have graphics, you guys. It's gonna yeah. have graphics, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like, give me a minute really? to design this thing and figure out what the you know who our user is and what what they need in the competitive analysis and. You know, and and then we can talk about frame rate. So, um, so design is is really intense in the beginning when when you're still figuring those those things out. Um, uh, it it changes depending on 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 the leader. Um, the the most comfortable part of designing a project, I think, is in in the middle when you've hit your stride. Um, when you 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 when you're in a regular routine with the engineers and with the artists and you're just you're just knocking out feature after feature after feature you know sprint by sprint um that's that's a great feeling um i love that and then and then doing the 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 code reviews so or not code review but the the sprint reviews so um looking at the work product and deciding along with other you know pms and and producers and designers in the room like oh does that is that graphic too small is it legible on on mobile um you know you know what can we make can we split can we split test this can we make it consumable instead of durable you know all those all those great things come up and and that's such a fun part of design for me the sort of roundtable discussion Mm-hmm. Um, when it's you know productive and actionable, and you have the right players at the table, um, and you're just you're just making it better. You know, you're taking this this gem, and then you're just you're all adding your buffing to it, yeah. to, to polishing polish it up, up making yeah, it good. Exactly. Yeah, polish, 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 baby. So, um, so that's a that's a great um, you know time in in a game's development. And then as you get close to launch, of course, that's that's like probably the worst time for a game designer because that's when all the cool features, all the fun features, all the, you know, um, features that the game designer might have had their heart set on or whatever, that's when all of those get cut. 
um, uh, and um, and then and then a, some some and then like a third of the game's regular features that were just kind of the oh you know the so so ho hum features basic bread and butter. <laughs> then a third of those features get cut too because you just no. don't have time. Yeah, for, the time, not enough money. You, because now you got to get ready to ship, and there's more bugs than you thought, and you had to do more polishing than you planned, and be, you know, and because there's more polishing than you planned, then other things have to slip off the schedule because we can't increase the budget to hire more people because there's no revenue yet, and the whole thing is experimental anyway. So let's just scale back, do a little more of an MVP version of it, see what the data says. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, it almost writes itself that the data is going to be bad because you're not releasing no. a fully yeah. competitive product. You know, you're doing something half-baked. And, yeah, I mean, it just, um, yeah, I've been there a few times. Oh, man, how, how did you handle that? Did you just oh, say this I was mean, it? No, it's it's. I mean, it's it's as simple as um, garbage in, garbage out. Like if mm, if you release okay. bad product and the whole studio gets fired, then that's what should happen. Yeah, you know, like the market shouldn't reward bad substandard product. That's not a game industry I want to work for. I exactly. want to work for an industry where the best games succeed. Win, win. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Because yeah, then you're gonna get games that are half baked all the time, and it's like. Well, I don't want to play a half-baked game. It's like the half-baked movies. You don't want to watch a half Yeah, so it's like having this idea of you have to work super hard, but you also enjoy it at the same time. But, like, you don't – it's your names on it. You don't want to have something half-baked anyways. Why would you? Why would anybody want that? You know, one of the hardest lessons I've I've had to learn in the game industry is that my name is associated with that project, but it's not on it. That my name is really only on games that are indie games that I made, you know. Yeah. And and like if I make some some indie space game, it'll be Jenna Miller's mm-hmm. indie space cade, you know. Yeah. And then my name is on it, you know. Mm-hmm. And 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 for real. But if if I'm working for you know an EA as in a, a Disney, which I love work, I love working for those companies. It's it's great, you know. You get opportunities. To work with IP that you generally don't get to work with at yeah, at like Star Wars. Studios. Yeah, exactly, and it's fun. Um, but um, but when when you work for you know these these larger companies, you know your 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 name is associated with that project. But there's there's so many people and so many chances for the design to be derailed that you can't really say that it was your you know like your yeah. name that's stamped on it you know you're right so i guess people just feel like it's oh it's not my game so like i'll just put the minimal work and hopefully it's good because like why do you why do you, how do you think there's some people get because games are supposed to be fun making games how why do some people not care about making a really quality game or do you think it's more leadership you think that because some of these games that come out yeah it's probably leadership yeah if leadership isn't handled right the team won't be motivated. The vision isn't clear, and you just start making like a game that's eventually just gonna fail. Like for instance, Anthem didn't work out, and I heard it was because the leadership just got messed up, confused, things were cut, and then here comes Anthem, and it failed. Didn't do good at all. Yeah. So, no, that's yeah. that's a common story. Um, yeah, it's tough. The game industry is tough. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I think that 
uh, in addition to to you know leadership. Um, and and by the way, I I really respect, for example, when Nintendo does something like cancel Metroid Four and restart the game completely over from scratch, even though fans were looking forward to the game based on you know teasers. Um, and and they did that purely for quality. They're just like, yeah, I know we know we had a release date. We know we have you know we're a publicly traded company and everything. We knew all these things. But guess what? We care about games. We care about quality. We're not going to re- release Metroid for just to be you know shovelware. You know, just to be the next um, uh, the next the next Metroid with a skew. You know, slapped yeah. on it. So. Um, so yeah, I, I I really respect when when leadership takes a stand to have integrity, um, but I, I I think that at the at the bottom as game developers we have an obligation and responsibility to exercise player empathy, and I think that that isn't done enough, and that's mm-hmm. simply the the usage of. Um, you know, user experience researchers and and taking user experience seriously, and and listening to users. Like any of these crap games that are put out are almost immediately deemed crap. Like it doesn't. It's not like you know it's successful at first and then later on it's like cancel culture or something. Mm-hmm. You know, um, associates it as being bad product. It's like no, it's it's terrible. Like right out the door. You know, and so that that being the case, it's like why didn't they why didn't they ask users if they thought it was terrible before they shoved it out the door? You know, yeah. And if so they did, then it is bad management that's responsible for you know kicking the product out the door. Yeah, they probably got reviews. They're like, it's not that good. And I'm like, mm, yeah, we'll send it anyways. They Cut our losses. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Same. And now, for anybody who wants to get into a creative director position, is it as daunting as it sounds, like being the director of basically the game direction, like the design direction, or is it just just another like game design, just a step up? Like, what should someone prepare to become a great uh, creative director? Yeah, so it it's just another level of of being a game designer. So when I when I think of game design levels, there's um, there's associate designer, junior designer, designer, senior designer, design lead, design director, yeah. creative director, senior creative director, VP of game design, and then wow. I don't know, is there something after that? Um, I, I guess maybe just VP or CEO yeah. or... Probably your founder or something. Right, yeah. Wow, okay. So, and and then if you're EA, there's like designer two, designer three, you mm. know? And, yeah. and so they have their own mini gamified, you know, tiers and and of, of labels, which, which are real, which are absolutely 100% real within the organization, you know? Um, so the, the, the reason I, I state it like that is because, in my opinion, titles don't mean shit. It's just, um, it's a part of your compensation package. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, it's, it's I, with respect to defining your domain of expertise, they're useful. Like, I'm always 
a game designer, you know, like I always want to be associated with the game design uh, field of expertise, you know, domain of expertise. Um, so I'm, so I'm a game designer. Um, so, so titles are good for, for naming that domain. Um, and yeah, sure. I mean, they can give, mm, no, actually, no, they don't. And, <laughs> and, but beyond that, I don't think they give any indication as to that person's actual skill, because you can have someone uh, who's a creative director who just doesn't know jack shit about anything and they just failed upwards phenomenally so mm -hmm. their entire career and they have just enough executive presence and charisma to you know to to swagger past any um real looks into whether or not they they have the real game design chops you know or whether their game design chops are in tune with what the general audience prefers you know like if mm -hmm. they're if they're if they're in line with it so um so you can have people at at very senior levels of game design that are terrible game designers you know or that's um, a shame though it's like how do or, they or might be in that position for other reasons mm -hmm. you know um uh and and i'm not saying that happens all the time but i mean I, I I see it happen all the time. I see it, ha <laughs> I I see it happen I'm... frequently enough, you know. Yeah. Um, okay. uh, so so there's that, and then and then there's the and then there's the bigger aspect of that title scales with the company you're at. So so if if you're VP or, or director of of something, but you're at a ten or twenty person company, well. That doesn't really mean you're VP or director of anything, you know. Um, if you know, if if you're at um, a, a one thousand person company, a three thousand person company, whatever, even a six hundred person company, if you're a VP or director, well, that that might mean something a little more. But even then, it doesn't necessarily mean something because a wonderful recruiting tactic. Um, especially for if it's the CEO or founder that's directly doing the recruiting, which is its which is in and of itself a great recruiting tactic, having you know the CEO do it or the the founder. But anyway, a great a great recruiting tactic um, is to have the CEO offer and dangle and hand out VP titles like they're candy at a parade. You know, like Oprah, you get a VP. You exactly. Get a VP. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and I mean. They just come up with, you know, new, more and more ridiculous um, so-called departments for that person to VP of, but they don't actually have to make any budget or have any people that are that person's direct reports, you know. So, um, so for example, you could be, um, you know, VP of uh, emerging virtual products you know and you're a vp at that company mm -hmm. <laughs> you know you got the business card you it's did it Woo! VP, comma emerging virtual products you know no mm -hmm. department no projects no team nothing oh um, no nothing and and so really you're just kind of a glorified consultant you know yeah. but you get the vp as part of your you know part of your package and so that founder or CEO was able to steal you away from others that that were considering, you know, that didn't offer you VP or whatever, you know. So um, 
so so all I'm saying there is is with you know with respect to whether you're a three person company, you know ten person all the way up to you know six hundred and three thousand, the 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 level of game design title that you have in that organization um, changes so much um, depending on not only the personality of the person leading the organization but also the size of the organization that that also further erodes the the meaning of that title um in terms of it being some sort of transferable entity from from company to company you know like mm -hmm. it's very common to see someone be a creative director or design director on in their career arc and then see them go back to game designer but they didn't actually they either actually didn't go back because they were never they were, yeah <laughs> or they're at the same level they were before because the but the company's size is different and so mm. the scaling changed you know that's um, wild to think yeah so so yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't say that it's like um being a creative director is different from being a design lead you can be a design lead and effectively be the creative director or you can be a creative director and be basically an associate producer <laughs> wow yeah <laughs> because you're just you're not yeah. doing anything and you're not, not doing and you're not good and you're just you're just Damn. there to, to flash the suit or whatever you know <laughs> um so but but i will say that as you as you go you know, quote unquote, up mm -hmm. um, in in those those tiers or those those job gradations of of game designer, you do less hands on game design and more playing footsie with management. You know, mm -hmm. um, and when I say play, playing footsie with management, I, I what I really mean is being in a room with. Um, 10 people on the team, all from their respective, you know, disciplines, um, some, some disciplines overrepresented, um, and, and being the only game designer in the room, you know, mm -hmm. who has full game design literacy and um, having discussion of ideas constantly be entertained that is is unviable from a game design perspective mm -hmm. so like it's tough half your you know half your job moving up in design is is just sort of working with non-design people and mm -hmm. telling them why the thing they want to do isn't going to work or can't be done <laughs> or would erode the user experience or mm -hmm. just is because yeah, everybody good. thinks the idea is fun and it's like yeah but if we actually start to implement it it's not as fun as you thought it was going to be. Yes, and but and 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 even more specifically, there's there are best practices in mm. game design that don't constitute a de facto rule book, but without you know a heavy and immediate you know literacy of that you know bible of of best practices, you're you're gonna you're gonna throw things out that potentially are just fundamentally broken like a, a random example it's 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 best practice not to take points away from a player once you've given them 
So I gave you 10 experience points. Um, if you, you know, walked into the lava, I'm not going to take five experience points away. I'm going to mm -hmm. take your life away, which is going to make it harder for you to earn more experience points, mm -hmm. you know. So there's still a punishment. But it's not that brutal, like Dark Souls. <laughs> yeah, there's there's certain things you do and you don't do, and there's reasons for them. And you can break those rules if there's a really brilliant reason and like a clever, like, you know, needle that you're threading that you're you know and it all comes together in the third act with the you know with the rug um and and so that that happens and that can be done like if you look at um uh facebook instant games on on messenger there's like crazy stuff that that those games are are doing you know but they're they're breaking certain rules be because of the platform, because the whole model is around getting um, this this virality happening, you know, through some form of, of sharing a request with the players that are already in your Facebook friends list, you know. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, you can break rules, but like you shouldn't just like casually be like, ah, let's just you know. Let's just remove score, you know? And it's yeah. like, ah, but there's players that have earned a lot of that score. How about if we do something else that yeah. does the goal that you want, but in a way that doesn't piss off the user, you know? So yeah. that becomes a huge part of your job. Um, uh, the, 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 the higher up you go. And in the the most like malformed version of that would be an organization that doesn't permit you to be hands-on with design because you know your title as creative director is that you're a manager not an individual contributor mm. so even mm, though you're the best sucks. designer here you can't do any design let's you can't do any design so mm. let's have you manage other people's um, you know, at, at, at times subpar design, you know, um, because they're rushed and they have a million things to do and they're more deeply embedded with the engineers and the QA and the development team. So um, often that designer can't make, you know, as great of a design as they wanted because they don't have the time to. And so, so they're being rushed. Um, and so you have to figure out ways to help that designer, you know, be their best and shine at their best and and make the most effective use of the time that's been blocked for them for the design you know thing that needs to be done um while not actually doing it yourself mm. you know um and sometimes that's great in theory <laughs> and then sometimes <laughs> you know reality, you're, like, mm, you're up all night until 3 a.m um editing the designer's grammar because despite a college degree they don't know have basic grammar and you're like yeah this managing instead of contributing thing is working out so well yeah woo, i love this <laughs> that's wild and then you're also a creative director in india right didn't you say you try or i saw i read something you said you traveled because if you're yeah. in the industry you basically go around anywhere so like you've been to india and south africa what was that like yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I was a uh, creative director at a studio in India for a year and a half. I had a great experience with them. It was different, not because it was India. 
um, but because it was a, a country that is a patriarchy. And mm-hmm. so all of the people I was working with in vast majority were, were men. And that's not the game industry that I know. The game industry has always uh, att- attracted men. Everyone, and, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and I see men in, in more leadership and manager roles over the course of my career. But especially since getting into casual games, Facebook games, mobile games, there's, you know, anywhere from like a third to a quarter of women at any studio I work for in all roles, engineering, art, producer, um, seniors, you know, super senior management represented less overall in management, you know, but still everywhere. Um, And it was something that I took for granted uh, working for American companies and, and the company I worked for in South Africa. Um, when I when I got to India, it was it was um, pr- you know predominantly men, like ninety percent men, you know, working in in the office, and and so for example, our art team um, was a hundred percent male, you know, our um, yeah, so and, that's wild because there's a lot of female artists here. Yeah, like, I've, I've noticed that, but didn't do a lot of them. So it's like it's weird to go to an environment where it's like everyone, even the artists are males. You're like. Where am I? <laughs> that was that was the, the the biggest difference to me, and and it it has little effect on me interpersonally. That's not the angle that I'm um, expressing, you know, surprise at. W- what what was what was such a a shock and is such an omission and something that people in India don't understand because they can't they can't see the omission is there there was. There were no, there was no woman's voice in the product development. Mm. I mean, I understand that, there yeah. was, there was. I mean, you know, to be fair, we we did have one, um, one woman uh, who was a PM and and one woman who was a producer. Um, although the producer didn't didn't end up staying or didn't didn't work out, but um, but I mean, ninety percent you know, male for the, for the studio, maybe, maybe higher than that. I think the company was maybe 90% male. Our studio might've been like 95%. Um, and, and, and what's, what's missing then is, is the woman's voice in, in the product. And there's just, there's just an intangible softness that's, that's, that's missing that I can see and I can feel because it's, because the art and the game and the everything, marketing materials, everything that I've seen for my whole career has had that balance, mm-hmm. you know, or like usually, or I don't think of, you know, um, but then when it's missing and it's starkly male, you you can I, you can see it, you can feel it, it's evident, you can mm-hmm. you can discern it um, when when you're, you know, when when you're sensitive to to that degree of of you know deconstruction, so. Um, so, so what, what I see it as is, is a weakness in the product offering because half the people in the world are women. And so mm-hmm. half the customers yeah. of games see, or potential customers are women. Mm-hmm. And especially when we're talking about casual games, then it jumps to, you know, two thirds or as high as three quarters when we're talking about payers instead of just players, you know, um, 
And so it's like, how can you have an all-male art team then purporting to make product um, for, for a game that's going to have 75% payers that are going to be women? You know, how are those men able to empathize with, um, you know, the, the, the female experience, you know? And it's like, well, you, you can't, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, as a white person, I can't um, understand what a black person's experience is like, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and men can't understand what women want. Women have to be a part of that creation process. That's why it's so important to get more women game designers in the industry um, and more women artists and more women just in general. Um, but I'd say like, you know, when, when I'm asked how, how was it working in India, the, the most noticeable thing and the first like biggest shock was just the, the, the lack of, of women in, in the workplace. Um, and how that's that's the norm, um, but specifically the the product gap that that creates um, by having so few or even no women working on it, um, and then having that product attempt to empathize with a customer base that wasn't included in that product. Yeah. Uh, in my head it doesn't make any sense. It just becomes this huge yeah. theoretical, you know. Um, uh long shot you know hail mary mm -hmm. so and they don't see it that way um and, and i wonder why is it just because too much of culture that it's just, just like you just can't see it just yeah no it. i mean just culturally um uh speaking india is uh patriarchy yeah um uh and 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 that's just and that's just how it is and i have no judgment of that i'm just oh, yeah. stating what is you know mm -hmm. um i'm just curious to how these like I guess it's easier for us to see, maybe because of information and technology, but it's easier for us to see things from an outside point of view. Is it that they're so stuck in like in an interpersonal, like in, they're so into what their culture is that they can't see that like, hey, it could be a little different. It doesn't mean we're destroying a culture. We're just improving upon it. Like, I, I don't understand how people can get so stuck in their own ways where like I think game, yeah. especially game developers are so easy to be open-minded I'm just like how can we improve that is that like how can we help people become more open-minded is that maybe games can do that is it a way to change maybe the way schools structure I don't know I wonder it's a question to ponder upon it's, how can we help it's, people be it's more... a good question um my we we had we had gone out for 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 drinks one night and there was there was a, a woman who worked at, at our studio and I I turned to her at the at the table and I asked her I said how come there aren't more women you know working here or even just indeed at working at all offices in India you know um, and before she could answer uh, a, a male a, a man at the table interrupted and answered for her and said oh that's because women want to be at home to make the home dang okay i mean that's you know and again i'm not i'm not judging there's zero judgment you know it's just it's just information it's just information but but when i when i asked a woman i got an answer from a man who cut her off and oh she never answered no yeah no i asked oh. her i said hey how come there aren't more 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 women here you know in the office or whatever and and no yep a man interrupted yeah. and said oh that's because women want to be at home um and the degree to which that's true or not is irrelevant 
what yeah. was relevant was that um, I didn't even get I didn't in that instance yeah, I didn't you even, don't even get, know I didn't yeah. even get to exercise empathy for the person that you know yeah mm-hmm. that could answer it so uh-huh. I think we need a lot more empathy in games in general I think we need a lot more empathy in the world in general yeah. and and I think um, when companies are dead set on having a product and releasing that product um that's when they exercise the least empathy of all because they're not even engaging with users to in the development of that product they're just saying hey i've got a product i've got a game and i'm gonna make this and -hmm. you guys are gonna love it so help me god you know (laughs) you're like Um, (laughs) and they put it out there and guess what we don't love it you know and and it's just it's the surest way to burn through money it's just yeah. Well, hopefully we as a society and the world can move forward and be more open-minded. One day we'll get there. You're here. Now, I want to talk to you about neurodivergent because, in fact, actually before you even mentioned it, I didn't even hear about that. So can you explain a little bit about what it is and like how that relates to you and what any anything else you think people would need to know about it? Yeah, sure. So I'm neurodivergent. I'm mm-hmm. I'm proudly neurodivergent. Neurodivergent means not neurotypical. So most people are neurotypical. Um, Other people are neurodivergent. It's a a diverging from that typicality. There's no there's no judgment in that. It's just it's lit and and it's literally the brain structure, the actual neural pathways, the physical structure yeah. of a person's brain who's neurodivergent are physically different than someone whose brain is not. And it has nothing to do with personality. It has nothing to do with um, you know chemistry. Even it's all about the design of these neural pathways. So, for example, autism is a type of neurodivergence. It's not a disease. It's not a disorder. There's nothing wrong. It's just a different brain. So autism is one type of neurodivergence, but there are lots of different types of neurodivergences. So, for example, I'm not autistic. I've been tested. I do not have autism but I am neurodivergent, which is an umbrella category. Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, further specifying the details of, you know, which ways I'm exactly neurodivergent and in, and in what manner. Um, and, and furthermore, that can often be so custom anyway that, you know, to, to, to label it as such just, you know, overly simplifies it, you know, down to almost no meaning. Um, but, but effectively people who are neurodivergent, um, are going to have some of the same, are, are going to have some characteristics that autistic people do just by way of both being in the neurodivergent family. Mm. So I find myself making friends very easily with autistic people. And autistic people find that when I describe some of my experiences, that I'm using language and describing experiences that mirror exactly what their experience is as an autistic person, even though I'm not autistic because we're both neurodivergent. So it's, wow. it's, it's something relatively 
new as an identity label. Um, so it's it's not something that um, most people or most listeners of this podcast, you know, would would be familiar with. Um, but I'm I'm a huge advocate of neurodiversity, which is having different neurotypes employed within your studio or organization. Mm -hmm. If you have all of the same neurotype within your organization, specifically only neurotypical people, you're just not going to be designing and building product and thinking about things the way that your more neurodiverse competitors will be. If those competitors have even a single, uh, even a single neurodivergent person in their in their ranks. And, and sort of the last thing to, to mention about neurodivergence is, you know, again, it's not, it's not um, you know, smarter or less smart or better or worse or special or less special or anything like that compared to neurotypical people. It's just literally different. It's, you know, a Linux architecture instead of a PC architecture. It's, you know, whatever software and, you know, whatever personality, whatever... Um, you know, choices and, and, and parts to that person that, that exist, those exist as layers on top of the wiring, on top of that, you know, Linux or, or Windows operating system. So, um, so it's the operating system that's different in, in a fundamental way. Um, not, it's not just some like, you know, personality tick or something like mm -hmm. that. Um, and it definitely relates to the game industry specifically, um, because uh, I, in in my anecdotal experience, neurodivergent people are attracted to games and interactivity, and um, and these are areas that um, that we can excel in. Um, and often have uh, talents or sensitivities towards that neurotypical people don't and can't. And if it sounds a little bit like a superhero superpower, it, it is. <laughs> really? That's Absolutely. what I'm getting at. It, it's like you've got like an improved version of yourself or of like the normal stuff, I would say. And, and, and not improved, just different you well, know? different yeah i guess i wouldn't say improved. linux versus windows i mean yeah. i know arguably linux is way better than windows so that's a bad comparison but it's, yeah right it's just it's a different operating system mm -hmm. and so then how did you get to the point where you went to go like find out if you had that because you said it helped you understand you more so you're better to assess situations around you hugely so how could someone know like hey maybe i have this and maybe i should get a check so i could better understand myself and improve the way i am yeah, if if someone suspects that they may be a neurodivergent person, mm -hmm. the best thing to do is to get tested for autism by seeing uh, uh, an autism specialist who a doctor who conduct who conducts those tests. Um, there, it's called a neuropsychological uh, a neuropsychological report. Is, is what what the neuropsychological evaluation um, creates. And the report tells you, you know, if you're autistic or not, if you're neurodivergent or not, um, you know, just all, all of those things. I saw autistic memes on Instagram 
just last year, 2020, um, I'd happened upon them and they just, they just hit, it just connected like every meme. I'm like, Oh God, I can completely relate to that meme. Next one, same thing. Next one, same thing. After like, you know, a half hour of this, I was like, it can't be a coincidence that <laughs> right? all of these <laughs> autism memes are like hitting you know, like 100%, mm-hmm. not just like, oh, I could see that or I can imagine. Yeah, no, you're like, but they were hitting. And I was like, oh shit, am I 40? And I went through my whole life autistic and didn't even realize it because it does happen. It's and it's to a lot of people and they don't even know it. And it, they don't they even think know. Autistic autism means you're just that person who can like communicate well. But there are some people who can communicate very well or uncomfortable in like very loud situations, can have like meaningful relationships and still be like not fully. Um, they're a little different, so it's like it's it's hard to be like, am I that or am I not? And if you do know, it's gonna help you improve. So like, yeah, help you yeah. understand yourself so, better. Exactly. Yeah. So I I went and got those tests, and and for me, it ended up being more expensive than it would normally be for someone else. For someone else, they could expect to pay in the like three to six thousand dollar range, which I completely realize is high, but these are serious tests. Like they're they're measuring. Yeah you know, your brain brain function at, yeah, you get it. So, um, so it's not just like, how do you feel today or something like that? Um, so yeah, I mean, that's going to be, that's going to be the price range for those tests. But if you suspect that you might be, or have ever been curious, um, and that thought recurs, um, neurotypical people don't have that recurring thought. So, <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> um, so if you think you might be, you know, then there's a good chance that you are. And if you are, it's only empowering to find out in which ways that you are so that you can, you know, understand yourself better and, and like, yeah. you know, just interact with that, that increased knowledge as you move through the world. So, um, so yeah, I, I got my tests done. I found out that yes, check mark. I am neurodivergent. However, no, I'm not autistic, and it wouldn't matter to me either way um, if I yeah. if I was or if there I wasn't. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, exactly. What is a bad stigma to it? It's yep. Just like, nope. Hey. Exactly. You you get it. Um, but 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 then knowing that I'm neurodivergent and and having the specifics of the ways in which I'm neurodivergent, you know, be listed to me, incredibly useful i mean it just it it, um like the same day it it changed how i um had social interactions so i i can give you one one example um something that the 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 tests are able to test are um something that i didn't even know was a thing and that's processing speed and i have very fast processing speed and so that's great. Yay me. I can read fast. I can I can scan things fast and pick up the information extremely quickly. Um, You're superwoman. Yeah, I, I can. Exactly. I can I, I can hear just a little bit of a schematic that's on the whiteboard and I can, you know, understand it, um, uh, internalize that, that understanding and then already give output. Um, based on like novel interactions with myself on that because I'm, I'm, I'm moving that quickly, right? Um, but I didn't know that about myself and knowing how fast my processing speed is 
um, is useful compared to other people because it means when I'm talking to them or explaining an idea or trying to sell them on a certain game design position or whatever, um, if their processing speed is, is normative, it means that I'm going to have to exercise, and I'm even rolling my eyes a little bit here when I shouldn't, but it means that I'm going to have to exercise some patience with that person. Mm. They're not dumb. They don't not get it. They don't, you know, there's nothing wrong with them, you know. Yeah, there's nothing wrong just... with me that I'm coming up with this, you know, that I'm jumping ahead and coming up with this thing that they don't get or whatever. It's just that I have to realize that when I'm moving that fast with, with certain things, reading, information processing, um, in conversations, whatever, um, that unless I'm with someone that also has fast processing speed, and by the way, when that happens, it's it's really fun. It's off the races, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Pivot, 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 ship. Um, uh, but, you know, in most cases, I'm talking to people that have normative processing speeds, and so I just need to slow down, you know, and not see that as a negative, um, but see that as just how it is, you know, just, you know, um, people access and understand information in, dif in different ways. Processing speed is one of the things that plays into that. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, that's just one part of, you know, many, um, but just, just getting that type of um, information about yourself um, when you suspect that you're operating in a different way um, is, is, is super helpful. I mean, life-changing, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I recommend everyone listening who feels that they might be, uh, you know, their brain's working differently, go get it checked out. If those uh, memes are, you know, relating to you, then yeah, try it out. Learn more about yourself. Become more self-aware because it helps you learn more about yourself, become the better, stronger version of yourself, help you interact with the world, be more empathetic. Yeah, so I think it's awesome that you did that. I'm glad you did because I'm now more aware of it because I didn't know there was a thing of neurodivergent and that was a whole like, neurodiversity, a different type of range of, you know, different ways your brain work. So yeah, cool, awesome. Yeah, Thank you for sharing that, yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. I first learned about it. Somebody had a bumper sticker that said, celebrate neurodiversity. Yay. Yay. And you're like, what is I that? I love neurodiversity. That's awesome. I love it too. Awesome. Well, this has been fun. We've gone for, I think, an hour and 40 minutes and definitely got a lot of good gems for the Game Day TV community. Now, before we wrap it up, we do a little challenge at the end where most of our lectures have a little challenge to get the students to make sure they actually, like, you know, understand. So, can you come up with a small challenge that either could be based off the podcast or anything you feel could help the students? Just a little short challenge. It could be anything. Yeah, if you could take your time to think about it. But yeah, any type of challenge you got, game design challenge preferably, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the coolest constraints on game design that I've ever seen was this, I think it was a game, it might have been a game jam, but it was oh, okay. It was a it was a category it was a category of game that had to entirely run in your Windows task tray icon. What? Yeah. <laughs> that's wild. Okay. Well, that's a tough challenge. Yeah. Is so it... the whole game. Yeah. So you ins you install it, and it installs as a Windows task tray icon, and that's it. And then and then your entire interactivity with it has to be through that that tiny little icon in the bottom right hand corner. No game client, what? no web client, no other thing. 
like just that. Okay. Very um, limited pixel space. Yeah, you got um, enough. So you just got to use your creativity and make it work. Yeah, I think I think words are going to be pretty challenging to display. You know, dialogue is going to be tough. Yeah. For, for that <laughs> hey, game. Can't wait to see what people do with that. But yeah, that's a tricky challenge. I like it. So I'll I'll give I'll give an example of one of the games that I saw that that was made with this challenge. Um, it was it was basically Flappy Bird, but with pixels in your in your Windows task oh. tray. <laughs> That's great. So it was like little like dots just like going up and down yep. small. Yeah, wow. absolutely. Yeah. I bet if you were industrious and a little bit crazy, you could make something like um adventure um for the text game? For um no um from uh Atari twenty six hundred it, it it was it, it was basically um eight bit Zelda Ness before mm-hmm. eight bit Zelda Ness. So like top down uh, multi screen loading ad- adventure, you know, swords and dragons and, and all that. And I bet I bet you could do the same in with the task tray icon and have your little pixel character move you know, up, down, left, or right to then load in the next screen on the overall bigger map um, and have, you know, certain keys assigned for um, maybe an area of effect attack around your little sprite guy, you know, um, to to kill like a percussion wave uh, or or a... or like a, a Zelda sword swipe when he does the circle around him, mm-hmm. you know, um, you could just have like one button to do that circle attack um, as your one move or whatever, and like move through this Zelda world and pick up items and you know talk to characters, but without dialogue. But it's like yeah, it's still, in some kind of if you can Morse code like dotted thing, which is almost yeah. like a hieroglyphic language all mm-hmm. on its own, and it spawns a wiki, and you know, I mean it. It's it's a little bit dwarf fortress like in the visual presentation of the minimalism, but there's no end to the depth that you can compress into that presentation size. So, yeah, it's 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 an interesting um, it's an interesting constraint. It's one that's always captured my imagination. So, if, yeah. if your listeners want to design a theoretical you know do elevator pitch you know 15 mm-hmm. second elevator pitch like what are what are some games that that you could design um for the the windows system task tray and what's and and what's the most advanced game that you could cram in there you know could you put a first person shooter in there maybe, maybe i don't think it's know. crazy you could yeah. you could pre-render images of of different versions of of hallways and walls so you know so that you're looking at a wall um uh you know flat on like a like a t-shape and then you're looking at like a hallway that has that goes three that's three deep and you're looking at a hallway that's two deep and then ends with a dead end and then you and then a hallway that's one deep and that ends with a dead end and you you pre-render all of these as um, vector line pixel art, um, and then you are just facing a direction north, south, east, or west um, as you move through this space. Um, and you could you could totally have like a whole you know for like first person shooter with you know minimal aiming, but um, yeah, you. I could love do it. seeing your game design brain work. It's- 
amazing. He's just like, I that, and that. I'm like, and I'm like, yeah, it actually makes sense. You can do it. There's always a way, right? There's, there's always, always a way. way. Absolutely. Yep. And oh, there's and a game I, in everything. And, exactly. And, and speaking of which, um, with you know, there's always a way. Um, I, I just, I also, I also, I also wanted to, because uh, it sounds like we're closing here. I also wanted to sort of end um, somewhat on a note of uh, sharing with your your users that I'm a transgender woman, and mm -hmm. so my my pronouns are are she and her, and I'm also a non-binary person, so I also use the pronouns they and them, and I'm working in the game industry. I'm out as a trans woman working in the game industry, and I've been out for several years. I've been working for several years. The most challenging part was at first um, people understanding that my my change in name wasn't a hacked account somebody hadn't like stolen my account oh, that happened one time somebody was like you changed your it name. wasn't like a phishing thing or or something mm -hmm. well sure because i was you know yeah I, I was a game designer in the game industry and you, you get to see the same people over 10 years 15 mm -hmm. years you know and and so some people saw that my name changed and they hadn't like quote unquote heard you know that i had that i had transitioned so um, so they weren't sure if it was, if it was legit or not. And it was really hard just like getting calls and submitting my resume and, and stuff like that. Um, like in the very first like month, the first three months, like the very first part of, um, navigating that identity change, that update with regard to the game industry and the game community. Um, that was, that was, that was tricky. But then, like once I got past that, and people understood who I am and my identity, then it's just like, oh yeah, okay, whatever. That's just you know, yeah. that's just another part of your identity, you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's talk about games again. What can you do for our game studio? What's the you know, what's your history? Blah blah blah. So it's it's been encouraging, and and I feel like it's important to note for other people that might be listening if mm -hmm. they're. LGBTQIA+, or if they're trans, or if they're non-binary, if they're considering, you know, coming out, or how that would impact their career, or their, you know, their professional stature. I've always been and remain a professional, and I'm not going to say that it's not a problem, or that it wasn't a problem, or, or something like that. Yeah. I'm saying you can be in the game industry, and be a game designer, and be a professional, and be out and be trans and be non-binary. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it's good to share that as far as my story because um, people can't be what they can't see. And I wanna make sure that people can can see me as that. Cause like, yeah. I'm, here I am, I'm just a game designer. <laughs> it's pretty We're fun. We're amazing games, yeah. And it's it's true, it's just like more people need to see that it's okay. And if they wanna do that, then go and do that. And it's all right, you'll get your jobs. People will respect you still, like it's, it's gonna be okay. I hate the idea where people feel like it's just if they do it, they're, you know, going to be judged differently or they're going to be attacked. Like, it's just, I like, I want people to feel safe and comfortable with what their identity is and who they are. It's like, go after your dreams. Don't let anybody tell you anything else. Be happy in your skin. Be happy who you are. Do what makes you happy. So I'm happy you did that. I'm happy you told your story so that more people can hear that and be like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Thank you for that episode. Which happens a lot, actually. I get a lot of episodes where people will say things. And they'll be like, this one episode helped me out. And I'm like... That's why I do this, so people have their voice, people can explain their story, so people can help get guide their own story. And since they're people starting out have a rough time sometimes, they're like, "Where do I go?" Well, maybe here's some little 
you know, information that can help you guide you to the next path, to the next path, to the next path. So, yeah, so thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Cool. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Absolutely. And I also wanted to ask about your quote, video games must be art, not just use art. That's right. I love that. Did you did you come up with that? And like, what what made you realize that? Yeah, what what made me realize that was actually shortly after I transitioned, I questioned if I even wanted to still be in the game industry mm. anymore, or if that was simply you know momentum that I was continuing to follow as as somewhat of an automatic thing. And I watched a video deconstructing a speed run of the Super Mario Brothers uh, on NES um, for level 4-2. And it was a 20-minute documentary. And when it concluded, I immediately replayed it and watched it from start to finish uh, a second time because the, the documentary was, was excellent, but the, the game mechanics and principles that it was surfacing were the real art that I was uh, that I was lavishing myself upon enjoying and, and appreciating. And when I had that experience, it, it reminded me of the the artistry of games as a higher art form, not just the the visual art within the game, which is what people think of as as being the art and it's used as, a gear or a, a cog to make the machine, the money machine of, of the game work, which is all, you know, very capitalist and reductionist. But what I was, was feeling from Super Mario Brothers, <laughs> Super Mario Brothers, the, the original, the, the, the classic, um, when, when seeing this, this deconstruction um, at, at so nuanced uh, a depth and, and level, it, it reminded me of, of the beauty of games in the way that co beautiful code can exist mm -hmm. and just be. It doesn't have to do anything. I mean, okay, yeah, it, it does things more efficiently or more you know, with, with, you know, less computing power or whatever, less lines of code. Um, but, but beautiful code can just be beautiful code. And it just, it's like an it art, yeah. is beautiful. Just, mm -hmm. just yeah, in of just, itself, just sitting there as I a concept, you, yeah. even as a scrawling on a cave wall, you know, and, and I feel the same about, about beautiful games and beautiful game design, like, like beautiful game design, exists and needs to exist as as a construct of its own that surpasses any of the ingredients going into it and and so that was the specific thought and series of thoughts and the the precursor to my writing that um that that statement and after i wrote it i was like wow i really believe this like like so down to my my bones um and it's 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 a way of sort of drawing a, a line in in the sand absolutely what i make is commercial art i'm not a, a prima donna i have no um you know desire to 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 make art for art's sake that then has no commercial value and mm -hmm. puts the developer into bankrupt you know chapter yeah one. we don't want that you know no so it's it's not a it's not about it's just that when we're making 
when we're making commercial art let's 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 elevate it let's 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 transcend what we're making so that it it has magic to it and mm -hmm. that it's not just this this product you know this uh, another fig newton in the case of fig newtons you know God, and i love fig, fig newtons newton no, I love Fig Newtons. I haven't too. had them in a while. To, <laughs> I'm not picking on Fig Newtons. No, no, I just... Fig Newton is the same, you know? Yeah. They're all the same. It's a product. Mm -hmm. It's not it's not a it's not a craft. It's not an art. It's not it's a product, you know. Um and and I I I I want to be minimally associated with people that are making just purely products, mm -hmm. you know? Like yeah. I, I can help you. I can I can plus that up, um, especially in, in monetization areas. But where my heart is always going to be is in is in making art, is in elevating whatever game or parts of the game I can into e experiences that people find beautiful when they interact with them. And and that is, you know, uh, an intensely worthwhile pursuit. So um, it's tricky because you don't want to sound like you're um, an auteur um, and that you don't understand commercial, you know, commercial art. Um, but, you know, it's also really easy to, um, you know, uh, bite the poison apple and drink the Kool-Aid and, and just fully commoditize games, you know, and, and turn them into just a faceless product, you know. And it's, oh, it's, you know, and, and you're just... You're you're naming them by genres, you know, by genre and theme, you know, like oh, it's it's um, it's a a a, a character a bug character based match three, you know, or it's a um, it's a, a hyper realistic runner, you know, in in the mountains or or just or just whatever, you know, and 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 you don't see the supercells of the world making games like that, like. Um, the games that Supercell makes are absolutely product. You know, I'd, I'd imagine they have 20 product people for every one designer or whatever the ratio is. But at the end of the day, those those games all have an artfulness to them that supersedes and eclipses the the sort of, you know, the, the raw productization of it um, and, and turns some of those experiences into something that... Um, feels approaching art you know these these sublime moments that you have in these games um yeah getting getting players into the flow state and mass that is that is the joy that that i love creating i love that so much and yeah and it's just <laughs> art is something that we must you know cherish because it's an expression of yourself in any way in a way that's very glorious it's like wow that it could be something so simple, and yet we're still like, that means something to us. I love that. Well, awesome. This has been so much fun. I'm glad you came on, Janet. It's been so much fun. I learned so much. Thank you for coming on. Um, so uh, I usually at the end just pass the mic to you to do any last minute shout outs, quotes, whatever you want to add. And I'll say those again. It's a pleasure having you on, and Mike's all yours. Awesome. Yeah. My final shout out would be be excellent to each other. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening. You can find all courses at GameDev.tv or in the show notes at a discounted price. Get started with your game development journey today.